0: Tonight, is the fuck out of town. Fucking treasonous pieces of town. Hey, guys. Good evening.
1: Hello. What's going on? You, you. F- do you feel that kind of timeline thing? Do, are you having like a, a weird time adjusting to the two years that we basically lost
0: and then like re-entering the world? <sighs> no, I don't feel that way. I mean, I, ser- I did lose track of time during lockdown, though. Yeah. yeah. And especially during, during the first part of it. hmm It was like super, super disorienting in so yeah. many ways, but... You know, I started playing shows again last June, June of twenty twenty one. Yeah. I don't I was... know. Anyway, I you know I feel like I'm kind of back in the time space continuum. You know,
1: That's pretty good. I get, I get like weird like gaps where I'm like, sometimes I'll still wake up and be like, Oh yeah, everybody's home and there's nothing to do. And then I'm like, no, everybody's out and there's plenty to do and I have shit to do. <laughs> I need to go. I need to go do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've been on, you know, in motion. Good. What
1: was yeah. it like for you going back out on the road after all this?
0: It was unbelievable. Yeah. I just remember the the first show was a thing at the Bearsville Theater, like a multi artist nice. thing, and it was a Bob Dylan tribute. And I don't remember what it was about, like, but it must have been for a local charity maybe oh, but there were like six or seven of us and it was all people that i knew but we were almost in shock i mean we were we were, we were like we all remembered how to do it yeah and the audience remembered how to do it mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was crazy what a funny thing to live through yeah for it, me it, it was for me it was
1: no, I hear you, man. I mean, it it, it was a, like a wave of different emotions, too, because for a while, in the very beginning, I don't think I, I don't think any me and my friends especially were like, I think we weren't taking it seriously, but we were like, two, three weeks tops, we'll be fine. So I just kind of like fucked off and did whatever, you know, I biked during the day, you know, I, I talked to people I hadn't spoken to in a while and just kind of enjoyed it like, a, like it was a mini vacation. And then after a couple of months, I was like, kind of losing my mind.
0: I feel like I made the best of it, honestly. But when it was when it was starting to, you know, the drumbeat was starting that it was going to happen the way it happened. I just like I refused to believe it. Right. And it wasn't until South by Southwest got canceled that I was like, "Oh, right." And then the (laughs) next thing I knew, people were dying. You know, people that I knew and cared about were dying, and uh, yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. That
1: was the scary part too. Um, did you do anything like kind of creatively to cope during that time? I did.
0: I mean, like I, I, I got this book down off the shelf that had been sitting up there for maybe five years called the Johnny Smith complete method for guitar. Wow, so I just opened it up to page one, and every day I would work my, you know, I would do like for an hour. I'd do whatever it was. I went through the whole lesson book. Wow, that's one of the things I did, and I did uh movie watching and book reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know it was such a it was like a fraught kind of a time, right? So yeah, uh, I don't know. I just uh, yeah, I did the best I could.
1: You know? Is there is there something from that book that you that you picked up that maybe you you were like holy shit I'm so
0: glad I did this well just the whole thing oh nice from, from start to finish it starts it starts like as if you've never seen a guitar before and then by the end you're playing like diminished chords and demolished chords and thirteenth chords and stuff but the other thing was that there was reading involved you know so I thought well, this will be good for me because I never really learned to mm-hmm. read music well and so anyway i worked on that you know so yeah i just i got into the thing that i made I, I i didn't just go into a fog or a funk for very long
1: it's it's funny that you say you haven't really read music you, you you don't know how to read music because i feel like that's a lot of musicians that we've had on the show a lot of musicians that i talked to either don't want to know like they don't know how to read music that's not the way they were they learned how to play yeah and they have no desire to and some have very strong opinions about like you know, I they think if they had learned how to play, they wouldn't be as creative as they are. Do you feel the same way?
0: Uh, no, I don't buy that. But it's it's all it's whatever works for you, you know. Right. And I, and I get that, and I understand it. You know, I just for me, it's just like there's so much information that you can unlock that way if you can mm-hmm. if you can just read the notes. Then the next thing you know, you're playing this piece of music that's always been a complete mystery to you but that's there on the page and it's oh that's really it you know right I I love it now I mean I'm not I'm still not good at it but I'm doing it you know nice so it's good for me
1: has it changed your performance in any way when you're going back out now
0: I don't know yet Uh, (laughs) uh, well I mean back I mean I just play all the time so it's good that I do and I you know I I haven't played any of my own songs in front of an audience yet this year. I've done some shows with the smithereens, but none of my own, but I've got now starting this summer and next and into the fall, I got shows where I play my own stuff. So we'll see if, if I'm any better at it or any different with it, you know,
1: I opened for the smithereens in like 2015. They did the, um, Oh my God. It was like a Jersey shore music festival in seaside. Uh-huh. And I was the comedian that got to open for them and uh and it was awesome. I got to know all those guys for a little bit and it was a lot of fun. They're great. Yeah, they are. They're really nice people. Yeah, Pat Denunzio I got to meet before he, and he was he was a great guy too. He was awesome. Came out to watch my set and stuff. Very nice.
0: Did he? Yeah, good for him. That's great. Yeah. That's that's the really way to be. Guy.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. The, he was very way. nice. Such a great yeah. guy too.
0: I like it. I never like it. I never like it when you're on a show with a a bunch of different acts. And people like do their thing and then just clear out. Uh, yeah, like, I, I always find that to a, be kind of alienating, you know.
1: It totally yeah. is, man, and it leaves yeah. people feeling like kind of shitty afterward, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get it, I guess, yeah. but yeah. Uh, anyway, um, anyway Pat, so, Okay, so Pat hung around. And, oh yeah,
1: Pat hung. Pat was fucking great, man. He was a, he was a blast. That's good. He was a good dude. Yeah. Um. Did you do you remember when you were younger? Like, was music something you always wanted to go into, or did you have any other passions?
0: I didn't. I mean like the only thing I liked was, no, that's not true. But yeah, I, you know, I, I went, I got interested in it from day one almost. It just, you know, it was around the house. My dad, you know, he had a guitar Hmm. and he was a very kind of high spirited person. And he used to like to strum the two and a half chords that he knew. And, sing the three and a half songs that he knew, but he would go at it, you know, and yeah. like really belt it out. You know, he was from a family of like really uninhibited people, you know, like and they went to a church where everybody was really rowdy. And uh awesome. you know, we went to a Catholic church when I was a kid, but then mm. once in a while I would get taken to my grandma Crenshaw's church and uh, you know, everybody there was like my dad, just like real uh, anyhow, was, uh, That's awesome. he, I picked up on his musical taste and I just, you know, I really got a kick out of him with his guitar. I mm. uh, just, I don't know. And then rock and roll music was what the, mu- the music that the older kids in my family listened to and my dad too. Yeah. Cool. So I don't know. That's what I wanted to do. And then as I got older, I realized I didn't really like, well, I didn't like grown ups i <laughs> didn't I hear you <ya. laughs> i wanted to find some kind of alternative to yeah you know like being in that world so it was always great you know rock and roll was always the right route for me did you
1: or were you did you like bounce from job like regular job to job until you got something stable music wise or did you just just fucking go straight into music
0: no it was, the, it was a choice a i i um You know, I do regret. I sort of regret this now. I guess my both of my parents went to college, and they were the first people in their families to go to college. Especially my dad. Wow. Uh, You know, so they. I mean, they really wanted me to follow suit, and I just was. I wasn't having it. You know, I couldn't stand being in school or authority figures and the regimentation. It was not you know anything oppressive at all, but I just didn't like it. You know, so I hear you. uh, After. I, I just would wasn't even considering carrying on with any kind of school situation, so I got jobs you know just like I worked in a snowmobile factory wow. for a little for a little while everybody's stoned at the place you know <laughs> I, I smashed out my front tooth one day oh, shit. with a tool that I was using and uh I worked in a kitchen you know a couple different i worked at you know where I worked. One place was, uh, have you ever heard of a place in the Detroit area called Maccas Red Fox? Yeah. It's a place where Jimmy Hoffa got snatched from, right? That's
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. It's like legendary. Wow. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I worked there. I, I'm not, you know, I didn't, it was, I think, before the Jimmy Hoffa thing happened, but. Oh, wow. Yeah, I worked there for a little while. I worked uh, That's at cool. a. That's awesome. Steel plating and processing factory. I worked a midnight shift on that. Oh, wow. And then, uh, you worked intense uh, jobs then, man. It wasn't like you had a paper route or some
1: shit, or you worked at like a fast food place. You went like hardcore into into like the industrial business. Well,
0: it's the Detroit area. And, yeah. And, and back, back then, you yeah. know, I mean, all up and down the list, the town I lived in was bordered on one end by this road called 11 Mile Road. Hmm. All up and down that road were like these factories. And they were all kind of ancillary to the auto industry, a lot of them. But uh, my aunt, my aunt worked at this one place. Uh, I asked her what she did for a living when I was like a little kid, and she said, "I make liquid liquid level controls." Oh my god! And you know, if you have a level from the hardware yeah. store, you see that she she made those. That's what she did for her, her whole That's working so life. That's so cool! But, yeah, so you could, you know, you could. Work at one for a while and then go to the one next door and work yeah. there for a little while. It was lots of jobs in the Detroit area. Do you remember what the last Those job Those kinds you of had? jobs.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you remember what the last job you had was before you went to be a full musician?
0: Not really sure what the last one actually was, but mm-hmm. it, it might have been a, at, a, at a screen printing place. I got fired okay. from there. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. What did you get was fired just, for? Just, telling the guy that I needed to go to a band practice and couldn't stay overtime. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I've had
1: those conversations before. Um, and it's funny. Did you feel like good about it when you actually like wound up leaving or like, were your pa- like how were your parents? Cause your dad like loved your music as well, but like, did they understand that you were like giving up everything else to go do this thing?
0: <sighs> yeah. They had mixed feelings about it, but, you know, I mean, they were they were really good parents. I was I was really lucky.
2: Nice, you know. Yeah,
0: I was. I was not everybody that I grew up with was lucky. Believe me, but uh, right. I, I was. I had really good parents, and so uh, I could go outside of their parameters, and they wouldn't. You know, they, it would rattle them some, but they, you know, they get over it or something. Anyway. Yeah, and and then when I did, you know established myself. They were like the, you know, they were more happy about it than anybody. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So that was really good. It turned out great. Yeah.
1: Were you cool with them coming to see you live or were you like, kind of like, no, not yet. Wait, <laughs> like, give me a minute. Uh, yeah. really
0: oh, it was great. You know? No, that's awesome. I mean, my dad's gone now and I miss him, but he oh. would go, he would make the trip no matter how far it was, if he could get yeah to where I was playing and, I always thought it was my mother who was driving it. Like she was the one. We gotta go see him. Yeah. But it was him. It was my it was my dad more than her. Or Absolutely. equal. Equal, but it was him, you know. I, right. I was
2: about to ask, like, since your dad passes your mom like,
0: nope, not coming to the shows anymore. And then you no, just she, back. She, no, she comes. She's gonna nice. I'm gonna play Ann Arbor, Michigan pretty soon and she'll be there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Um,
1: did you and your dad like bond over music even more once you started to get really into it? Like when you were, um, you know, on the road and touring and stuff like that, did you ever play together again?
0: No, we never did that. Oh, okay. Uh, let me see. Did we bond over music? Yeah, I guess we, I mean, starting early, early days we did. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, when I was in my teens and I, I, like, you know, I wasn't kind of difficult, I gave them a lot of. Yeah, you know, I like did a lot of stuff. Were you... <laughs> You're going to have to elaborate on that. Were you like
1: rebellious, sneaking out at night, going out with girl, like that kind of thing?
0: Just, all, you know, whatever it was, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. My dad, anyway, like I said before, they were great. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And it was a long time ago, too, so it's right. You know, like, what stories do I have about my teen years that I still remember? Not really very <laughs> many, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We have a, a lot of fans in the, in the audience. We have a couple questions who I wanted to bring up. Uh, Tinsman was asking. He's checking in from New Zealand, I believe. And he oh, Tinsman. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Tinsman, he wants to know how many instruments do you play?
0: Um. Well, I really play guitar. Mainly. I don't play. I play I'm a wannabe drummer. I, I just was playing the drums earlier, and okay. if I had... It, if I had to live my life over again maybe I'd be a drummer but uh, <laughs> I, I just play guitar I, I I can I don't play any other instruments like competently you know
2: hmm.
0: and I, I mean I like I really respect people that are good on the instruments that they play you know yeah. so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pass myself off as somebody who can play keyboards I can really only play in a couple of keys but you know if I think of a part and I'm making a recording I can get it done but yeah. It's nice. really guitar and bass and drums. Percussion too. I play, you know, like I can, I yeah. do all the percussions. I've always done all the percussion stuff on my records. Sweet. That's cool. yeah.
1: When you're, when you're writing music and stuff, is it the lyrics that comes to you first or do you kind of hear the, how the, how you're going to score it first?
0: Yeah. It's the lyrics are always last. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And
1: is it, do you wake up with like a like a tune in your head or do you actually sit down to write music?
0: Yeah, I got to sit down wow. and really it's like well I mean it's been so long since I wrote anything. Hmm. The last time I did write anything I was on a plane and I got an idea. So oh, I guess nice. the answer I guess the answer is yes. Yeah, I can just be out somewhere and I'll get an idea. That's it so hardly, it hardly ever happens. Wow. anymore but <laughs> uh you know Did
1: you what when that when that kind of thing like is it is it just because you think it's out of practice or you're just not interested in doing that anymore because you've done it for so long, you know, like it just you're like oh, I've already been
0: there, done that. Right now I feel that way, yeah. I don't really yeah. want to write anything right now. I hear you. You know, like uh I mean I got a lot of I got a lot of songs I can yeah. play, you know. Absolutely. But I did I did tune I did I wrote a brand new song. I co wrote a brand new song at the beginning of lockdown. Nice. Called the Will of the Wind, and being what time it was, and what was going on, or in you know in the world and stuff like that. It's a song about how humanity blew it, and you know the world's going to catch on fire and come to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a good song too, you know. And it's like it's yep. it really says that particular thing, you know. Yeah. Like, but I mean, yeah. you know, people have been imagining for a long time that the human race was going to destroy itself. Maybe it will, but absolutely. Yeah, uh, it, I don't know. I, I won't be, I don't know. We'll see what happens.
1: I guess we were, mm-hmm. it's funny. We had a, we had an astronaut on our show, uh, Chris Hadfield, and he was talking somewhat similarly about human nature and how every, you know, decade has their prophets who are like, this is the last time we're ever going to see the sun, you know? And then it's, uh huh. You know, and then we got another ten years of uh, blowing each other up to go.
0: Um, I'm not. Ta- I'm not taking anything lightly. Don't get me wrong. No, I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Go ahead. It is.
1: No, but it is interesting. Like, I mean, what was the thing that got you to, wanted you to write like to move you to write a song like that? Was it everything going on at the time?
0: Well, in the first place, I had a commitment to to record a new song because I made a licensing deal with a record label to re release some of my albums that i did i got the mm. right the rights to the records i made for this label called razor and tie nice, and those man. that's all my stuff from the 1990s and the and, and from 93 to 2002 right i got all those records back so i wanted them to be out there and i made a deal with this label called Force just to put the stuff out and mm. uh make cds and press vinyl and all that and I specified, you know, uh, here's what I'll do to just make it more groovy. You know, I'll mm-hmm. do I'll, I'll do a brand new single with each re-release. Nice. So that so that was a commitment I made to tr- trick myself into having to write That's songs. That's Yeah, and it, it did work and I was really happy. You know, once it was done, I loved the like having done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, it's got to feel good to get like the juices flowing again, you know what I mean, and get the creative process rolling.
0: Yeah, I, I, like kind of soon after I recorded that, I did a, a track for a Todd Rundgren tribute album. Oh, I nice. Did a, it was a guy uh, that I'm going to play with pretty soon, in fact, and it's, uh, his name is Fernando Perdomo. Hmm. And he put together a, a tribute album to the Something Anything album. You know that one by Todd Yeah, Lundgren? absolutely. And, well, for a while that record was an, uh, an obsession with me, and uh, but that is, it was back a long time ago. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, they asked me to do something on it, and I remembered one called "Couldn't I Just Tell You?" Because I used to play it in a bar band, you know. Oh, so I knew nice. All, I didn't even I didn't have to listen to it or anything. I just knew it, so I did a version of that. And, and again, it was there was a joyful thing to it because yeah. I, you know, oh, I, I can do this. I yeah, know yeah. how to do it. You know, I can make a record all by myself. You know, yeah. So I, I love, I love doing it. Maybe, that's maybe, good. maybe later on down the road, I'll just decide that I'm gonna really do it. I oh, know. please do absolutely. It, it's you. funny. I think you touched on something
1: that's like because it is weird. Like, I think when artists, especially, because everybody that I've kind of talked to, even during COVID or whatever sometimes when you don't do the thing you're meant to do or that you, you kind of forget like, Oh, I, I really had joy in it. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I'm not, you know, I'm out of it. I don't really want to do it anymore, whatever. And then the minute you get that little spark again in your head, you know, or, or like something clicks, you're like, Oh man, I fucking love this.
0: You know, like, yeah. you're like,
1: this is why I did it in the first place. It, I feel like it never leaves, but you do kind of forget about it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm away from it. Right. This little, yeah minute you know um, um, we'll see what was it about the Todd Ruggren album that was special for you oh god well let me see if I can answer that you know it was just like a gut feeling right away the first time I heard I saw the light on the radio that yeah. single it just was it. it's just had my name on it you know mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know why but I, you know, and then I found out that it was one guy doing everything you know and mm-hmm. it's got the crazy drums like yeah Dong, dong, you know and i'm just like i really dig this it's so it's a great rock and roll record right and uh so there was like this little buzz i didn't buy the album a friend of mine bought it i don't know i just i yeah. loved every every minute of it you know mm-hmm. but just like so imaginative and beautiful and now some of some of it sounds kind of funny to me like because the drumming is is weird you know right right like, here's the tempo oh, blah, 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 you know like <laughs> a, a song will have like no tempo it'll just have like 50 tempos you know right but, right uh, I, I love it though I mean I I, I am a, I'm a fan of his still yeah uh, he's still great as far as I'm concerned yeah, and, uh, exactly the same time that I got into that album I got it. I got this Stevie Wonder album called "Music of My Mind." Oh, that's a great one. So it was simultaneous with both of those albums, where nice. I was just binging, and it wasn't just me either. It was all the people I was in a band with, and all of our circle of friends and stuff like that. Whenever we would be at somebody's house, it would be something, anything, and "Music of My Mind." Oh, okay, it it ended, started over again, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
0: for like a whole summer or, or most of a year or whatever it was. but
1: I, I have like albums that I, I feel like they're almost uh, the only way I can time travel because like there'll be a certain album that I'll play and I'll be like, oh my God, this takes me right back to this date, this time, you know, me and my friends in the car doing whatever. And that's, that's where that album is locked in time.
0: Oh yeah, of course. I mean, records really are markers in time and they just... Yeah. Uh, for you know if you like records.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's it's kind of interesting because I feel like I mean every generation has its new thing and you know yeah. they're going to make their own memories but it's kind of funny to me because I'm like man how like everything is always about putting out a single now. You know what I mean? Every song comes out in like every artist has like I'm going to release a single and they do it slowly instead of like an album, you know what I mean? I don't think people are listening to full albums anymore. And I always yeah. wonder like are they making memories just off the one song? <laughs> and then and then like and that's it like
0: I guess they're just doing it, however they're doing it, because yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, You know, I'm mostly out of the loop, although I'm not closed off, right, to to new stuff. And you know, once in a while, something catches my gets on my radar somehow or another. But yeah, mm-hmm. it is a singles as far as like you know the mass market thing goes. It's it is it's singles. Yep. Which is which is what it was when I was growing up. Always, you know. And I always yeah. liked singles. I always liked singles better, you know? Yeah. I, I, I wasn't really such an album guy, honestly. I mean, I bought lots of albums, but what I would do is I'd find, like, the four songs on the album that I liked. Yeah. Oh, and man, picking and just choosing is great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when FM Rock Radio started, I loved it for about three or four years, and then I got to not like it at all. I got to hate it and yeah. i went back to the top 40 station
2: mm-hmm.
0: i think about you know some of my favorite records from the 70s that i never would have heard if i'd listened to fm rock radio like all those great aretha franklin records all those songs she wrote herself yeah. you know and yeah i can't stand the rain by Anne peebles and yeah. yeah there was this one in the detroit area we get a lot of canadian records because it was the station CKLW was it was a Canadian licensed station.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So they were required by law to play like twenty percent Canadian content. Wow. So we heard all these records from Canada, and some of them were really. There was one. If you ever get a chance to hunt down this one called Africa by a group okay. called Thundermug. All right. Okay. And it's it's like it's a it's they sound kind of like an English group. But it's like a love song to Africa, and it's really good. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. how about uh, how about that for randomness? But yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I my was... po- my point was was singles. I mean, you know, like yeah.
1: Into, into I was listening to this one. Uh, I don't know if it was like internet radio, but I was I stumbled upon it when I was just literally on my computer, and it was some kind of ad, and they were like, "Oh, you know, listen to obscure songs that never, you know, from artists, or whatever." There was this band called the Silencers. Do you know who they are?
0: i remember their logo okay that's all i remember no yeah. songs just the logo <laughs> i not uh, remember the
1: name of the song but apparently like i'd never heard of them before and i was like oh my god this is crazy they sound familiar their sound kind of sounds familiar and then i looked them up and they were very big well they they were kind of biggish around the same time u2 was coming up and they're, okay. they're both from the same you know, uh, you know, both in the same country or whatever, but apparently you two just blew them out. Like they, they both sounded oh. similar, they both had lead singers that would kind of you know write the same kind of songs, but you two blew them out of the water, so no one ever fucking heard from them again. And it was well, I that's was like, me. I
0: never heard of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, was, <laughs> yeah but I, I had neither, but I was like, they're not bad. And it reminded me of um this other band, Tall Stories, um, that was I think their lead singer wound up being uh, the lead singer for journey after they booted Steve Perry out because that was another sound like um, lookalike guy. And, but yeah, they were yeah. around the same time.
0: Tall stories. No. Not yeah, not I know.
1: And I'm like, I wonder how
0: many bands that are just like obscure like that, you know,
1: awesome founded Africa Somebody One of our viewers found it already. Found I'm it.
0: really, I'm really happy to see that. I hope you like it.
1: Yeah. Oh wow! And somebody said I have the Silencers album around the apartment somewhere. See, yeah, some people know who they are. I like them. I think they're great. Um,
0: but it's just wow. Maybe I'll hear him one of these days. Yeah
1: how how are you at meeting? Like, have you met Todd Rudgren?
0: I, yeah, I was in a room with him once. I how was on a show. That? I was on a show at the Bearsville Theater, and now I don't remember much about the show. But I remember that he he played last, oh, and okay. we didn't know if he was going to show up, but he did. Oh, wow. And he just he just went out there and uh, did did a few songs with this guitar player named Jesse Gress, Just the two of them. Nice. And then afterwards, there were pictures taken. I think it was Jewel Shear, Graham oh, Parker. No way, no <laughs> Graham, way. that's great. Well, see, these are all Woodstock guys, including me. But but it was yeah, it was a bit of a jolt to me that that Todd was there and and the pictures that were taken, it's one of those ones where I just look like Gomer Pyle or something, you know, like I, <laughs> I, just, I have this dazed, st- stupid grin. Cause I'm like, how did I get here in a room with Todd? You know? Right. It's stupid yeah. though. Cause I mean, they're just people, all of them. Totally. But anyhow, yeah, I was but in When a they're room your idols, them.
1: it's hard to, it's hard to get your head around it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I've met people, I've met comedians that I like really, really love and admire. And you want to say something, Like, hey, you know, you you impacted my life, but you just wind up nothing comes out, and you're just like, you know, you say your name, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: I've got a real mixed track record with meeting. Oh, really? People, yeah, I've done the whole thing where I just ignore the person, and then (laughs) late years later, I hate myself for that. Or, Mm. you know, anyway, hmm. Oh,
1: are you cool with people coming up to you and and like you know asking for photos and stuff and or or just like talking about music?
0: Yeah, I try to be friendly, you know. Cool. And mostly, I'm I've been mostly lucky, you know. Mm-hmm. That people are cool. Yeah. You know, if somebody's intelligent and they want to talk to me, it's great, you know. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's so- awesome. What was so tell me, take me like through the trajectory. Like, you're in bar bands and stuff like that. And then, um, do you remember a point where you felt like you had made it? Like, you would, you'd really kind of felt secure with your career and your, your talent?
0: <clears throat> Let me see. I was in bar bands in the Detroit area. And then I just kind of reached this moment in time when there was like zero, I was, a, I was, uh, at an impasse, you know, Mm -hmm. and there was nothing over here or there or anywhere, you know, nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, nothing to do. I'd done everything I could do, and uh, so I realized I had to do something, I make a huge pragmatic move, which I'd never done before in my life. Mm -hmm. The first pragmatic thing I ever did in my life was clear out of the Detroit area, and the way it happened was... uh, I was just somewhere and I ran into this guy unexpectedly that I'd gone to high school with. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh, wow. I haven't seen you in such a long time. Where, how are you? Where have you been? And he explained to me that he had moved out to LA and he was home for a visit and he was going back soon. And he was going And the band he was in was going to audition guitar players and he jokingly said to me, oh, you know, why don't you come out and audition? Wow. And I, su- I said, when are you going? <laughs> and he told me, and I went. Nice. Awesome. So that was it. It was great. You know, That, that it, I, I love now that it happened like that. Was, yeah. But anyhow, I, I just got in my car and drove out west with him. Mm. And the f- crazy thing is I haven't seen him since. Oh, no way. Wow. No, I haven't seen that guy at all since. I heard one word from him. I know he's alive because every once in a while I'll remember to ask somebody if he's still alive, and he is. But (laughs) (laughs) do you have? Would you call him up? Maybe I might will sometime, or maybe we'll just bump into each other again. You know. Yeah, yeah. let it happen naturally. Anyway, I went out there and nothing happened. You know, like I didn't get in the band that he was in. Mm. But then I the lead singer that wouldn't hire me was nice enough to hook me up with another band. So I traveled around the West with this other band for six months. And it was really interesting because it was little towns in the West, like Rock Springs, Wyoming, and, uh, you know, Missoula, Montana. And like, I guess nice. that's not such a small town, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was Elko, Nevada. We were in the, the the band I was in. They loved Elko, Nevada. That was one of their hotspots. Never hot been spots. there went over Utah on the Utah Nevada right. border mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. I mean I just I didn't know what I was doing I just knew that I had to keep moving yeah and uh and then the next thing that happened was I got in Beetlemania and that that start you know the roots of that happened you know like on while I was on that trip out west
1: nice
0: I don't know I just got on this path and I wound up on the East Coast instead of the west coast. And uh, my brother Robert was there already and I connected with him. So that was like, now I'm rooted in something, you know, with him. Cause he's my brother and we're going to start a band.
2: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I guess maybe that's when I felt like, okay, now I'm doing something and it's like really got right. some, some substance to it. And
1: Did you, did you and your brother ever talk about, like did he know that you wanted to really do that kind of stuff and, and come out there? Did he ever invite you out?
0: Anybody that ever knew me ever knew that I was, interested in you know that I was a rock and roll musician and that's what I was you know yeah so yeah. he I mean so he always knew mm-hmm. that that was my ambition and, he, and uh and he played too he was in a band yep with all the younger brothers of the guys I was in bands with and uh so yeah it didn't come as any surprise to him he was really happy because you know you know he could t- he could tell that I was serious and I was just saying well okay well let's we're gonna do this and this and it's gonna be like this and this is the music and nice I think he was really happy about it. Like, wow. Yeah.
2: That's cool. How did did, you, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask. Did uh, So did somebody see you and were like, you're the perfect fit for this Beatlemania? Or was it like a friend of a
0: friend? Or? Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you the whole story. I was in a motel room. I've told this story a bunch. But, uh, you know, when I was out there, I was really far away from my kind of like familiar surroundings let's say i was in a really alien kind of environment really mm-hmm. and uh but you know i lo- i mean i loved it and it was beautiful and all that and it was great mm-hmm. but I-, I used to get rolling stone magazine on the day that it came out every two weeks and it was like a missive from civilization mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. you know and so like i'd be in a town and i'd be like okay it's the day you know and, and i was i would hope that the local drugstore would have it that day and usually they would so Anyway, I'm reading my copy of the magazine, and in the back, they have classified ads, and one of them was for an open casting call for Beatlemania wow, with a 212 number that you could call, and uh, I'd heard of Beatlemania, I read about it in Time magazine, I saw the article and I saw the pictures and I was utterly disgusted <laughs> by it, <by>, but... <by, laughs> But I thought oh this you know I could do this you know cuz I have pic- I had pictures of myself with shoulder length hair and wire rim glasses where I looked like John Lennon. Yeah. It's probably like trying to look like him, you know, without really right trying. subconsciously, like, yeah. No doubt. But anyhow, uh yeah, I just I called the number. They said send us a picture and a tape and that's what I did and then they they auditioned me in the Detroit area. And that, that that was it. Uh, they the, just like the big fucking door opened. Yeah. New York City. They they sent me to New York, and I had just gotten married to own oh, my longtime girlfriend. And uh, so nice. off we went. Off we went, and we're still here. Yeah, that's, you know, that's beautiful,
2: amazing, man. Amazing too, right? That's You're great. Right?
0: Yeah. So right. that's what that's that's how I got into show business. That's awesome. great, man. And were yeah. you?
1: What was the thing that I mean? Like, were you? content with doing that? When would, when did you feel like you wanted to branch out into your own thing?
0: It was um, just time. It was like, you know, the, the hourglass, the sands in the hourglass. You know, I was mm. getting to be in my mid-twenties. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just knew I had to you know, find a really find a path. You know, Beatlemania was a thing. I did it for a while and then I was like, okay, now I gotta really I'm not gonna Look for the next rock musical to try to get into, or I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do any of that. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. but you know, I just really had this thing, you know, this com, this compelling. Anyway, I, I realized I wanted to make records. Mm-hmm. It was a late stage. It, it was a, It was a late stage career path choice, for mm-hmm. when I decided uh, that okay, it's going to be my name. I'm going to write everything. You know what I. You know what I mean? Like yeah. A, I just sort of decided that that was what I was going to do. And that's, it, it made sense too. It just like really felt right. Yeah.
1: Was everybody cool with you walking away from the Beatlemania thing?
0: Well, I was about to get fired.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah,
0: I was, I, I'd been given my second talking to for not trying hard enough. Wow. And uh, so this time, instead of deciding to straighten out, I just gave my notice the next day. Oh, nice. Wow. You know, it was, it was, it was it felt right. You know? um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost probably like leaving
1: any job where like your brain tells you, you know, you're done with this, you got to move on. And so you just stop trying. You know what I mean? Like you just subconsciously just shut it off.
0: I was just so excited. I mean, there must've been some moment in your life when you kind of like, you knew. Yep. Yeah. You knew, you know, and oh, that was, yeah. that, it was that time for me. It's just like, I, I got it. Yep. This is it. I, you know, so. Off I went. I was five or
1: something. Wow! Time and to make a move. When you were doing like your own stuff, when you finally went on to do your own stuff, like was it? Did you enjoy kind of being on your own? Because you've been in collaborations before, you bar bands before, and then you were in Beatlemania for a while. And at this point, now you're out on your own. Did you enjoy it? Did you have a good time? Not kind of working work with anybody and just being by yourself.
0: Yeah, I really needed to have it that way because yeah. I had been, you know, in in a band a couple different bands, you know, where there was original material and it was a democratic thing and everybody had an equal voice and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it wasn't right for me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I I I really needed to be it by the time I figured it all out or it all came to me in a vision or whatever it was, by that time I i knew, you know, I just I just have to be able to do it the way I want to do it.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: So that was it. And I, you know I had my brother
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we got a we got a bass player kept it minimal you know nice yeah that's the way really... to go yeah, well, yeah. What, did
1: you uh with it with the comparisons to buddy holly like early like because i i know like whenever i've read you know reviews or stuff about you back in the day or whatever like they do mention it but i don't know how did it start like do you remember like was it right away
0: yeah it was right away mm. and uh I mean, it's not the least bit far-fetched, I would guess, you know. Right. The, yeah. the fact that I was influenced by him and that well, I it, wore glasses and played a Stratocaster. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I. you know, I was deep into, you know, just reveling and, and rediscovering the rock music that I'd loved during my childhood. I was taking inspiration from it, and I was using it. You know, as a yeah. starting yeah. point for what I was doing and people picked up on because it, it was obvious, you know, right. That yeah. song of mine, Cynical Girl. Yeah. How, you know, how are you not? Of course. Great first thing most anybody would say is, oh, that's like a Buddy Holly song. Right. Because it is. But yeah. then it's got funny lyrics, you know, but. Anyway.
1: Yeah. It's cool. Like who the hell was on the other day? We were just talking to somebody because there's there's that band. Um, who I, I love them. They're great. But Greta Van Fleet will not admit that they were influenced by led zeppelin and i always find that so hilarious that it's like blatantly obvious when yeah in interviews and stuff they never bring it up and i was and i kind of drew that parallel too because you know the buddy holly thing i wonder how you took it but that's nice that you're like yeah of course i was
0: influenced by him <laughs> yeah maybe they're just like you know they're they're done. They're tired of talking about it or something. But probably, or their team is. Probably I don't think they're like, not fooling anybody. But, no,
1: no, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they're probably like being told not to say anything. You too. Like you never know. I don't know. Um, but uh, that's awesome. What I want to ask you about um, your involvement with uh, uh, the the Jin Blossom song. Um, love that band. But you wrote "Till I Hear It from You." How did that come about? How did you wind up like getting involved and 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 working on doing? That's like one of the number one hits.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I co wrote it. Mm -hmm. um it was nice i mean it was extra super nice because uh one of the guys just i didn't know them Mm -hmm. and one of the guys just kind of sought me out tracked me down wow He, he wanted to meet me right so uh i heard from him and that was it he just said well we should write a song together I said that's a really, really great idea, you know, because they just had like a double platinum record. Okay, <laughs> this is what happened. What I remember, I was in Nashville and I went out to a place called the Exit Inn to see a band called Will and the Bushmen. And I want to name check them because the leader of the band is a guy named Will Kimbrough, who's kind of well known. He's a guitar player and songwriter and a song stylist and really talented. I've always Doug, his, uh, you know, his work and stuff like that. And uh, so I'm watching Will and the Bushman, and they're really great. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine is their producer. These are my peers, right? And, uh, yeah. But while I'm trying to enjoy them, there's somebody standing next to me, and she's the, the wife of somebody I know, mm-hmm. and she's screaming in my ear. You remember – I remember this so well, and I used to do it, and I used to see other people doing it, and I'd be just like, "This is awful," you know. in rock and rock clubs with the music really loud, if you sometimes if you looked out on the audience, you would see people screaming in each other's ears. Yeah. When the music is killing loud, right? Right. Yeah. But anyhow, so that's what she was doing. She was. Okay. Ah, no! But she was telling me about the gym Bloss. They're out in Tempe, Arizona, and they are big fans of yours. Yeah. And, I, and i'm just like okay sure anything you say and uh then a little while later she sent me their album the gin blossoms made it like a self you know they pressed it themselves and sold it at yeah. their gigs so i mean i knew of them the next thing i know they're on the radio and they're on tv and they're the gin yeah. blossoms and they're big yeah. you know uh, i yeah. was really happy i was like whoa look at that Mm -hmm. so then the next thing i knew i heard from one of them i've heard from jesse valenzuela in fact yeah and uh we just agreed to meet up we were both going to be at south by southwest that year nice and uh he said so you know so we just started working on this thing he says well i've got this song and we're you know we're going to do the song in a movie soundtrack Mm -hmm. like they already knew that right we're writing we're writing a song that was going into a movie, was, you know. Great, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so uh, anyway, he said, "Well, it goes like this," and da da da. And I said, "Okay, wait a minute. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back." And I went in the bathroom, and while I was in there, I thought of the verse melody. <laughs> la La-la-la, la 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 da da You know, no words, but I had the whole melody. Mm-hmm. And I came, I came out of the bathroom, and I said, "Well, what about this?" And he's like, it's perfect. So we wrote the music, and then the singer wrote the lyrics, Robin Wilson. And if I'm not mistaken, he wrote, him, he wrote the words at the recording session for the song when they cut it, you know. Yeah. And the next thing I knew it was on the radio, and it was huge immediately. Yeah. And I didn't meet the other guys in the band until, until it was already a hit, and I was going to the Roseland Ballroom to play with them. Wow. So it was a beautiful thing, the way the way it went. It was based on you know, just this nice gesture that this guy made, and uh, it just went from there. It was a big, huge deal. Yeah. yeah that's incredible, great man. That's yeah. a
1: great story. Are you, are you still uh,
0: close to them? I am. Uh, oh, um, close to Robin Wilson mm. is the other occasional guest vocalist with the Smithereens
2: yeah oh wow
0: i fill in the spot sometimes and when i can't do it he does it or when I they want him that. to do it and, and when they want to ask him instead of me he does it you know right so yeah. we, we, we're now now we're both in a band him and i and uh, then just awesome. yeah yeah no it's a, it's a friendship that's really lasted i'll always be really super grateful to those guys you know yeah you know, they're just really not nice, they're nice people too absolutely yeah yeah they're great yeah. um
1: what, did you like the kind of, uh, because I, we've had a bunch of people on too that kind of dabble in like writing something specifically with the hopes of it landing on a TV series or a movie. Uh, have you ever written specifically for like, okay, you know what? I think I could see this playing out on a TV or a movie. Is that how you think sometimes?
0: Well, let me, not exactly, but sort of, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. once in a while I'll get asked, or it has, it doesn't happen anymore, but, uh, <laughs> I would get asked by a music supervisor to uh to see, oh, see if you can write a song for this scene in this movie and they would send me the script you know and i mean i've had stuff in movies but usually it's somebody here you know taking a record of mine and right putting it on the soundtrack but once in a while you know i would do it or i've done it and i i would always think i nailed it how can anybody not think that i nailed it Right. But you know, I would yeah. hear that. Oh, well, you know, it wasn't quite right. You know, after about after about three or four of those, I just like I quit trying. And then there right. was this one time. This one time when they asked me to write songs for uh, or submit songs for that that thing you do. Oh yes. And they asked if I could if I had something that a girl group could sing. You know, the girl group in the movie. And I didn't write a song. I didn't figure I waste the energy so I sent them this one that I wrote with Kirstie McCall and it's you know it's got a kind of a sweet little girl group thing to it but it's got mm-hmm. but the lyrics are you know there's stuff in there about having a hangover and you know like committing adultery you know there's like right. the lyrics the lyrics were, weren't like period correct and so I just was like yeah okay fine but then I saw that movie and I really loved it because it was about 1965, 66. My, you know, I love that time period. So yeah. then I thought, then I thought, the next time somebody asks me, I'm really gonna try. Nice. And I, and I did, and, and I got the theme song to this one called Walk Hard. Yep. Yeah, the
1: So I was just gonna ask you about that. How you wound up stumbling yeah. into that? Because that is genius. That is pure genius.
0: But nobody's asked me since then to so write you. would think that that would trigger people to ask me more. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. Right. No, uh, you know. That is It's wild. just random, random shit that
1: happens, yeah. you know? That is crazy. Is that, yeah. how accurate was the, that thing you do as far as like, you know, the way they showed the band getting an agent, getting a manager, the manager passing it off to somebody who's bigger. Is that kind of how it is? You get somebody small, does local gigs, then they sign with somebody bigger. Is that your, like, how it works?
0: Well, you know, it was done as, as light entertainment, and it was really, it really, it was exact. I think, to me, he just, he captured that exact feeling mm. that I remember from that time period. You know, like, The way I perceived it all as yeah. a 12-year-old obsessive fan of rock music and the right. AM radio. He, I mean, he just got it so exactly right. And he was into the, really into the minutiae, too, there's the, mm-hmm. there's this thing, where they they appear in a movie like this quickie movie shack, shack shooters whatever, and mm-hmm. they have to play like these instruments that they that aren't theirs, and it's just some song that they didn't write. Well, that exact thing happened to a band to the Bobby Fuller Four, and oh, wow. they were a really great band, you know. But they wound up in this movie doing this exact same thing. So for so for Tom, I know that he must have like really been deep into the folklore of the time period. Right. Not, that's what I loved about it. It's like it's, I was like, this guy lived it and he, and he you know, like he, I, it's, I just really felt head over heels for that movie. You know,
1: there's not a lot of comedian movies where they get it exactly right. You know what I mean? Like they always kind of fuck it up or, or it's always like a shortcut that they're taking. No one really kind of captures it. Right. But I've, I've heard people yeah. really love th- that thing you do. And almost famous was also like, yeah. um another movie oh. that they think they always say
0: got it right yeah people hardly ever get it right on it as in my estimation and that goes back i watched this i tried to watch this movie once called baby the rain must fall oh with right steve mc out. steve queen as a country singer
1: Oh yeah, I have seen that movie. I just forgot that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, you know, Steve McQueen is is great, one of the greatest, right? Yeah. In the scenes where where, in the scenes where he's supposed to be singing and playing, he looks like a complete fool. You know, like you can just tell that he doesn't have a clue. Yeah. And it's it's just it's hard to do if you don't know how to do it or if you're not naturally, you know, able to do it.
1: Yeah, you could tell that he probably didn't do any research or have anybody who was actually talented in that area, kind of show him the ropes a little bit. I think he just thought, man,
0: eh, just just wing it. I think he just like he isn't musical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he didn't, it didn't have, have to work. be, but he you know he didn't have to be in order to be a genius. But uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah.
1: it seems like during the pandemic, people were kind of making albums and doing all that kind of stuff, right? And they were kind of relieved when there wasn't any pressure from a producer. That was working on stuff. How did you get along with you? like did you did you get along when you had producers working on your stuff? Did you like I mean excess input, or were you like, fuck off? I'm gonna do it the way I want to do it.
0: Oh boy, that's a really loaded question. I mean <laughs> in the beginning, I didn't I really want didn't want to have a producer except for myself, but uh because you know, before I did any of the stuff for my first album I, I recorded all the songs myself on this kind of semi-pro equipment that i had and those recordings are really good one of them is a track of mine called you're my favorite waste of time which is a I you love know, that. like yeah it's really, like a yeah. favorite track of, of mine that people have you know on my four track i did the whole like all the songs on the album that way yeah and i just thought you know i have captured something here and i don't want to lose it you know mm-hmm. yeah But the problem was I got into a a twenty four track studio, like a studio of that time and I I I was really I was out of my depth, you know. Right. I didn't know I just I didn't know how to take what I had done at home and translate it onto tape in that moment in time, you know.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: So I had a producer had to come in and save my ass, so to speak, and there was one available who I'd known, who I knew already, and had worked with a little bit. Richard Goddard, who uh, I was, I was on a, I worked, on, I was hanging around, let's say, and I was helping a little bit with an album that he produced by a artist named Robert Gordon. Okay. If you were around back then, you would yeah. remember Robert Gordon. But anyway, um. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Richard came in and produced the record. And, you know, I, he, I wound up having to do stuff that I wouldn't ordinarily wanted to do, but I, I, had, to, I had to go with the program and, wow. and work with him. And it, it, it wound up, you know, a good balance that made everybody happy, mostly. Nice. You know, but, I, you know, yeah, it was hard. But I always yeah. had a producer after that. The next producer I worked with was a, a guy named Steve Lillywhite. And that, that was really great, you know, cause uh, he just had a kind of a different sensibility than, yeah. anyway, I don't, yeah, don't want it... to go through that whole history, yeah. but.
1: Yeah. Well, it's gotta be like, I always wonder, like when you find somebody who you love working with producer wise, is it hard to kind of hold on to that person or is it just cause they're working on other projects? Cause it's like, if you, I always feel like if a musician and like a, a producer are getting along really well, why not just keep going with and making albums, you know?
0: It's just all such a sort of story. You know like I would have worked more with Steve but the record label didn't like what he did and ah. other other people gave me shit about it too Wow the only one the only one who loved it the only ones who loved it were us you know, him. <laughs> and him and my and our person my New York and our person loved it she wow. was a pretty smart person a woman named Karen Berg but Sweet. the people in Burbank didn't like the record they, they wanted me to fix it and do redo it and I I said, I told Karen, I said, tell them I'm not doing anything that they want me to do. Wow. So that was dumb. I, that wasn't smart of me at all. Right. Like it was kind of like, kind of like you know, yeah. oops. But no. that's, I mean, how, that's how it was, you know. I was like that back then. Yeah, yeah.
1: And everything you know? is the way it is for a reason to an extent, you know.
0: Yeah. But now, I, you know, like ever since Razor and Days, I just do it on my own. And, uh, that's great it's pretty good you know I do, I do okay job yeah you know i know how to i know how to do what i want to do it's, it's, it's all right
1: nice man um well yeah. listen it's been i don't it's been an hour and it's blown by but i gotta ask you the big oh, okay okay, okay yeah yeah no I, I this has been great man i want to just thank you so much for coming on but i gotta ask you the big three questions that we ask every guest that comes on the show um, i didn't
0: take up more than my a lot of time did i no no, no dude. not
1: at all you uh, can no worries wait, but uh I got to ask you, uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you out
0: today? Uh, uh, uh what would I, I, don't know, uh, develop better people skills. <laughs> I would really, I would definitely say that to myself back then. I'd okay. say, get a, get a clue, do better. You know, like if you don't like somebody, you don't have to make sure that they know it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Absolutely. So
0: I, I would start with that, and then I would really go on at length from there. <laughs> oh, he's man.
1: talking directly to you, John. I think yeah, that's right. He's I about. know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have just a very particular. Like, there, you know what it is, dude. It's and I'm sure you're the same way. It's just, it's just when you, when you can just see the bullshit in the industry coming <laughs> like directly at you. I just don't fucking. Want, you know, club owners, all that other stuff. I'll tell you this. This is this is basically describes me in a nutshell. I took a particular joy in seeing uh, certain People. comedy clubs or club owners uh, go out of business during the pandemic. <laughs> where I was like, where the artists and the performers were thriving and kind of living, I, I wanted to be like, yes, you own and rent a building and you cannot survive without art. And that's uh-huh. it. So yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. I enjoyed that, uh, probably a little too much. Um, so second, second question is, uh, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today?
0: I, you know, I covered it before, I guess, just my time living and growing up in, in Detroit the Detroit area. Yeah. You know, when when I left I never uh, you know, I, I go back and visit family or play shows, but right. th- that way, that's what it was. I had, to, I had to uproot myself from the only place I ever lived. Yeah. yeah, L- yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of people have to do that. It's no big deal.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean it I mean if you know, I mean, it—it's it a strain. It's like it depends on how close or connected you are to the area and stuff like that. And like you said, it was—you knew everybody there it was the only place you'd ever known. So, yeah. Like a, but that's 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 the actual answer
0: to the to the question.
1: Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um. And the third question has to do with the show itself. So, if this was a genuine dystopia we were all living in, with like aliens or zombies or a, a comet heading toward the Earth, it's basically everybody's last day on Earth. How would you wind up going out? What would be your epic death?
0: Oh, God. I can't answer that. I have no idea. (laughs) There's really, I mean, there's like enough real threat in the world. True. To start trying to imagine that sort of a scenario. And also, I mean, I don't want to go into it, but I I did have a little brush with death not that long ago. You know, I wound up in the hospital it was miraculous the way it played out and I'm hundred percent fine again. Like it never even happened, mm-hmm. Thank God. but you know, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little bit, uh, it's hard for me to answer that one. No, I like, hear it. Well, I don't, I, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm into, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I don't want to talk about. Like, well, then you'll be and, in a, you'll be in
1: a bunker then and everybody else will be, uh, you know, <laughs> be, you know, getting attacked by aliens and you'll be chilling out, listening to Todd Rudgren.
0: Hopefully, you know it'll it'll all happen so fast that you don't even know that it's you know what I mean. Yeah, just I hear a you. before even that's I guess that would be a Boy, that's like, I, you know
1: yeah Fuck uh, yeah, really, you
0: really me yeah. up with that one
1: yeah so <laughs> <laughs> you know I knew one day this question was going to come and bite me in the ass. So you far, know what, 100... me
2: and John have had this conversation nine times over. We have, but I'm like we word no. that
1: nicely. Just, yeah.
2: if, if there wasn't a, a zombie apocalypse, what would you want to be doing?
1: Yeah. So but I know. like playing that... your guitar. That's what I would say. Yeah. Well, dude, I really want to thank you for coming on again and spending time with this man. It's been an absolute blast.
0: Good. I'm glad you had a good time, and I. Uh, uh, you know, thanks for inviting me. Of course. And, yeah, man. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, I, I hope uh, I hope you're back with us again soon.
0: Absolutely. Great. Good luck with the show. Keep on keeping on. Thank you, man. Thank nice you. to meet you guys. Yes, nice to meet you, nice too, man. Nice pleasure, man. Have All, good? Right. All right. Take care. Gonna leave, leave the studio here. Oh,